Morning, everybody. We are here with our Q and A after a long, hectic, rainy week. <laughs> Finally, the heavens a little clear tonight. But we have questions, some tough questions. <laughs> you know where it is from? Not India, definitely. Somewhere, but we shall look up unto the Lord for mercy as we answer those questions. But we shall pray before we go there. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. One more week. We come to the end of the week, Lord, for us here in yes, this Lord. part of the globe. We thank you for everything, mm. Lord. We commit this time into thy hands, the questions, mm. the grace, the wisdom to answer, and the hearers, the grace to receive, Lord, and help us to be true to your word and to your spirit. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Yes, Pastor Vide, we shall start, with start rolling. First question first, Pastor, we'll get it out of the way. <laughs> first question. Out of the way. It says, how does one respond when your partner is always so negative to his wife? Yet he teaches Bible study every day, loving to everyone else, very encouraging to the group he teaches, yet mean and condescending to his wife. You know he's wrong. You know he's frustrated and angry. How does one respond as a wife? Well, let's say it's a very common question we kind of get, especially mm. those who are in ministry and even otherwise. But let us go to the text in the Bible first. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5 mm. and uh, verse 21 onwards. And then First Peter 3, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Okay. Yes, keep going, okay, all the way to, like the wedding. Wives, submit your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Mm. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Going to First Peter chapter 3 and reading from verse 1 to 7. In this case, in, in Ephesians, if you look, look, most of the instructions are given to the husband, while in Peter is speaking mostly to the wives. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. 
Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and not afraid with any terror. Yeah, verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Because when we are asking, when we receive questions addressing problems, you need to realize you cannot have problems in a relationship unless there are expectations. And you cannot have expectations unless it is sanctioned by the word of God. So where does the expectations come from? Mm. If you take Ephesians chapter 5, you don't have to go there, 22 to 33. And Peter chapter 3, 1 to 7, most of the problems will be gone. Problems will be gone. Then when you talk about marriage, if we take... First Corinthians chapter 7, the question about marriage itself and singleness and all. We need to understand this, this question. Now we go back to that question. about This is uh, a lady whose husband is either full-time ministry or part-time ministry, pastor or elder or whatever he is, and he's talking about a particular situation. And it's also generally common. It's a common question we get. We need to understand there are two things we see over there. One is, wives submit your husband in all things, and husbands love your wives as Christ. If you read the entire 39 books of the New Old Testament, you will never hear anywhere the wives told to submit to their husbands, or the husbands told to wife love their wives. The concept is in there, because this is a New Testament Christ and the Church concept. I'm not saying it is in there, but you will not see it because they are all under the law and under patriarchy. Hmm. You don't see this issue in Buddhism. You don't see this issue in Hinduism. You don't see this issue in Islam. You don't see this issue in Judaism. This is a very specific church issue. Hmm. You don't see a Hindu wife saying, a husband does not love me as Christ loves the church. The husband doesn't even, he expects her to submit. There are no yeah. questions about hmm. area. So you need to understand for where are we coming from. Why is this is a very particular church issue? This is because we are under grace. We are under grace. This expectation, a lot of people, this is an expectation actually only should come from people who are saved. There are people who are not saved, but expect this, but this is only possible under grace. Mm. It's only possible under grace. And this is only possible when the husband and the wife see we are made modeling something that is eternal and it's mysterious. This is about Christ and the church. As long as that is not your core, it will only end up in fights. Okay? End up in fights. Because the whole idea is, this is what Paul says, this is about Christ and the church. And a visible symbol put before the world, the unbelieving world, and the believing world is the relationship with a believing man and his wife. This is where it comes, and people don't understand. Like, if you read the whole covenant, the first time you actually hear the word submit is the angel telling Hagar, go submit to your mistress. 
You don't hear anywhere their wives told to submit to their husband. Husband learned, asked to lay down their lives for their wives. And you don't see that. Though by faith, the holy women of the past mm. did it. Mm. You don't see mm. a command. Because that command cannot be given because you are neither born again nor have the grace to keep it. Yes. Mm. So God does not demand things in the old covenant which is impossible. He says, this is the law. <laughs> Whether you can keep it or not keep it, it is irrelevant. The law will come biting at you. But this is the law. This is the standard. But in the new covenant, we are not under the law. We are under grace. So under grace is only these things possible. Under these things possible. Okay, so we need to understand where are these because honestly, you will not see this, these kind of questions arising from un, other non-other other religious backgrounds. These questions won't arise because husbands love your wives. That is a general statement, but that's not what it says. As Christ loved the church, and Christ is not there physically present in the entire old covenant. He is not there. The paradigm is not there. It is not there at all. The only picture you have is God's love for Israel and Israel playing the throne. Other than that, you don't have. But here it changes. So we need to realize where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? This is coming from the new covenant. This is a new covenant picture of Christ and the church. And therefore, see, it is like you go to a classroom. There are 50 students over there, okay? All are, let us say, MPC, as we call in India, maths, physics, chemistry, they are doing. But most of them are not interested in doing NEET or MSET or IIT entrance. So doesn't matter how much the teacher pushes, in that 52 may be interested. So only that two will actually work hard. So let us say there are 50 couples sitting in the church and we take this text and preach, but there may be only two couples who may be interested in glorifying Christ. Mm. Because that's the reason. You need a reason why should I do things. Give me a reason. Why should I do a reason? these things? And the reason is bigger than you. But you may not be interested. That's why much of the teaching in the church falls flat because... People are only looking at the temporal. People are not looking at the eternal. Now, a saved couple, if they don't keep this format, do they lose their salvation? No. Will they lose their rewards? Yes. Absolutely. All this is connected with the rewards which are eternal. The temporal rewards, you will have a happy marriage. But the eternal reward is that it is mind-boggling to everything that is told to us in the new covenant. So people who are not looking at the eternal, eternal, okay, these things will not work. These things will not work. These things will not work. Okay? And then, if you go back to the question over here, I think the question is up over there. This is, in so many ways, this is also specific, one, in the context of the church, especially in the case of ministry. Let us say, Raj is here. Okay? Raj is sitting as here. Uh, Raj works with Google. No, no, I forgot. Okay, Cognizant. Raj works with Cognizant. He's a lucky man because he works from home. But let us say he goes to office. He goes to office. Raj goes to office. Let us say he goes to office. And there are 15 female colleagues over there. And his wife, Aparna, Arpana, is at home. She doesn't work in the same office. So she doesn't see anything, how kind and how polite he is. So he doesn't face this issue. On the other hand, if she is in the office with him, 
then she will say, how come? But what does he expect? She expect him to be rude to his colleagues because he is not married to them. Not married to them. Okay, there is no divine command. Be one with your colleagues. These are also because of the demands that is coming. Okay, mm-hmm. but when in the ministry, this is all ministry issues. In the ministry, you see, Pastor Vijay and Jacinth will go out for the same Bible study. I may go with. After the same church. And after church, he is meeting women in the church, sisters. I am meeting and our spouses are there. And they are saying, oh, he's so kind to them, they are not kind to us. This is a very specific ministry, but the whole idea is like one pastor said. <laughs> I remember one old pastor telling me, some of them I wanted to slap them, but you have to smile at them. <laughs> okay. But you have to be polite. You see, I'll tell you. Air hostesses, no? Air hostesses try to do it. They are trained how to deal with drunken, unruly passengers and still be polite. Never lose their food. Never lose. We are not trained. We just have to be natural. We we are not pretending. They are pretending. The same air hostess who did say, yes sir, five minutes later when you land and come, she turns the other way and walks off. She doesn't even look at you. But she was trained for this thing. For us, it is life. It is life. Okay, so we need to understand where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? This is sometimes it's a very ministry specific context, but other believing, other, other believing couples, unless they are working in the same office, these things don't come, usually don't come. But for ministry, this comes. And the thing is that he has to be loving to everyone else. Mm. Okay, he has to be very encouraging to the group he teaches, and after that he goes home. He doesn't have to live with them. If he were to live with one of them, he might be mean and condescending with them too. <laughs> okay, because you see, this is this is something that is internal to a marriage of two people trying to resolve their differences, and this sword hangs over you. No, wife submit your husband in all things. See, the Hindu wife does not have scripture to beat her husband with. Okay? The Muslim husband has wonderful scriptures to literally beat his wife with. <laughs> literally written. This thing, okay? But for us, you won't find anywhere in any other, even in the Old Testament, you won't find the honest that is put on the man like this. Or the woman like this. So this is a very specific New Testamental issue. You cannot apply it anywhere else. But to take it, first is you need to be born again. That is the first condition. If you are not born again, these things, you are still under the law. And the law will only bring you to Christ and Christ will set you free. And Christ set you free, then your paradigm is Christ. Mm. So the man has to ask, oh, Okay, I should, I love my wife, but how should I love my wife? Any man you ask in the church, do you love your wife? You will, they will say, yes. You ask his wife, she will say, no. And if you ask her why, and she has a comparison. 
And where does she pick it from? In her mind is Ephesians chapter 5. If you ask any woman, do you submit to your husband? They will say yes. If you ask the man, he will say no. And if you're asking where, why, he will pick up no. It is written in First Peter chapter 3 and Ephesians 5. So where is he going back the to? The standards are fixed over there. Okay, this is the standard. It is not that any man is unloving or any woman is unsubmissive. The issue is that this standard put over there as Christ loved the church and laid down his life and as the church submits to Christ in all things these standards is what creates the problem mm. anything short of anything short, like well, like well, like i said um, mm. most if you look at the ratio love marriages have more chances of failing than arranged marriages the simple reason is in love marriages there are expectations expectations okay quoting time so many things were promised even chandrayaan to moon and mars everything was promised arranged marriages normal expectations with all the other stories of how things don't work so be careful all the warnings are given by the girl's mother and father and say you know you just say quiet in a thing don't mess up this thing all they the girl goes with so many warnings in arranged marriage in love marriage she goes with so many expectations <laughs> Okay, so you will see, I have always seen in love marriages, the fightings are incessant. And you will see it's connected with the expectation. Pastor Jacinda will say, no, Pastor, after marriage he changed. <laughs> <laughs> because courtship was, uh, it, no? <laughs> was a different person altogether. No? <laughs> It is like an old time pastor said, no? It's like a phone call at night. When you get married, you get a ring, then you wake up. <laughs> he meant this. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, this, this is where we have to look at it. But, you know, these, these are, I wouldn't even put it across as as demands, these are Christ's expectations. Mm. Okay, Christ expects the church to submit to Him in all things, and the church does not. Mm. Does not. So I would always say, look at it as mutually exclusive. Mm. Okay, exclusive. Okay, and these issues come in. I mean, this is a small, the small. We are just looking at a small uh, what slice of it. The question. The man should ask is, what makes me mean? What makes me condescending? The question the woman should ask is, what is that I am doing that is mean to me? Mean to me. And condescending. What, what is it? Because you know you need to ask like cause and effect. Cause and effect. Okay. If he was always mean from day one before he really knew, then it seems mean he was always a mean person. So I am not the cause. But if he was not that, if he was not mean and condescending, and over a period is being mean and condescending, we need to ask a question. Okay, let us sit down. Let us sit down and talk. Sit down and talk. You know? So you have to address the issues. Okay, and because, like I said, 
the issue is Christ says man is the head of the woman. How we see the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the, the church. church. Mm. Headship automatically means authority. But Jesus said authority is not the way like the world Gentiles look at. Here authority comes with first and foremost it is responsibility. And second it is accountability. And you will say Adam failed in his responsibility. Watch. Watch. He didn't watch. Okay. Then he failed in his second one, which was accountability. He blamed the wife. He didn't take accountability. So he failed in both responsibility and accountability. Okay. Now we need to realize this is where in headship, where women need to understand. The woman takes a decision. And you cannot ask the husband to be responsible for it and accountable for it. Okay, that is why we have to, because we are living in a different age altogether, because the reigning deity, spirit that controls humanity today is either humanism, humanism or feminism or a combination of both. Even in the church, this is the spirit that goes on. And uh, like the worst thing that happened to the home is... Post First World War, Second World War, the women going out to work. And she went out to work because of the men in the war and dying. She went out to work. At that time, it was a necessity. But when the war ended, the women did not go back home. It, was, it should have been seen as a necessity only because of the war. But post-war, they did not go back home. And as a result, what happened? The home fell apart. Home fell apart. Okay. Now what is happening is the woman, when she went to work, actually became independent of her man. Mm. The man was never independent of the woman because he still had to come back home. Okay. <laughs> he still had to come back home. And he still was dependent upon her. She would set up the table. She would cook. He was dependent. But the woman became independent of man. And that started a trend to the point now everything is fallen apart. Like you go down to California and all their past laws where parental rights are literally being taken out. Parents don't have rights over the children the state has. But you go back to it, you will realize it's all to, to protect the children, to protect the home. Are these things told? So now it's a wife, like in many couples and even our church all around Hyderabad city, the wife works, the husband works, that the wife actually works and earns her own salary. Uh, she's actually not dependent upon her husband. And it takes an incredibly godly woman like that to be totally be a, uh, submissive to her husband and let him or without his knowledge not take any major decisions. Okay. Because the problem is when she takes the decisions and when things go wrong, God still comes to him and, and says, asks, yeah. I want you to be accountable. Oh. And he throws up his hands and says, but I didn't take that decision. Mm. And he says, he's, he, God will ask him, why didn't you take the decision? He says, if I took the decision, probably it would have ended up in a divorce. So it is not, see, these, 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 that's why the Bible, see, go back to Ephesians chapter 5, 21. Yeah, exactly. Okay, 21. Fear of the Lord is okay. 
Five. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. If 21 is not there, don't read from 22 to 33 at all. The entire 22 to 33, that 11 verses hangs on this. If this is not there, you are just under the law. You cannot demand anything. It won't work. It won't work. What guards it is the fear of the Lord, that the woman fears God. No, the the man fears God. If you go to now, go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, submissive, come further down. Okay, when they observe your chase conduct accompanied by fear, this fear is the fear of God. Yes. This is not the fear of a husband. Absolutely, this is the fear of God. Mm. When they observe your chase conduct accompanied by fear, and then coming down towards uh, four. Okay, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So a woman who tries to be meek or gentle or quiet, she's not actually primarily looking at her husband. See, this is where I start. It's not looking. She's looking at God because a husband may not care, but God cares. Which is very precious in whose sight? It is not in man's sight. It is in God's sight. Okay? For in this manner, if you come uh, to verse 6 and bring Sarah over there, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do God, are not afraid with any terror. Now this terror is connected with man. The first fear is connected with God. Okay? So you will see Two different apostles, the Holy Spirit is bringing the same concept, the same concept. Okay, so we need to go and ask, am I under verse 21? Am I under verse 21? Ephesians 5, 21, am I under verse 21? If I am not under verse 21, then how can I demand 22 onwards? How can I demand? Okay, when uh, Abraham told Abimelech that Sarah is my wife and later Abimelech gets a dream and is warned and he rebukes Abraham. The reason he says is I did this is because I thought there was no, no fear, fear of, of God. fear of God in this city. Exactly. Mm. He if there is fear of God in this city, I don't have to worry about my life. Life. That is that is the same thing which we are talking about. Honestly, let us say the fear of God comes upon every citizen, every citizen of the ten million or less or more people of Hyderabad. You know what? Cops will be jobless. Everything will stop. Forget crime. Sin will stop. Crime is something. Crime is the breaking of the law. Sin will stop. Sin will stop. Everything, everything changes. Every individual, every home, everything changes because it is this reverence, you know, fearful reverence about God who is holy and who is righteous. Why do people do this stuff? So all teaching will fall to the ground unless we are held by these two things. One is the fear of God and the other is the love of God. These are the two things which holds the fear of God is pure. It keeps you from sinning. The love of God is what causes us to obey his commandments and keep serving God and keep serving one another. These two things. So when that is in there, you know what? It only forments more rebellion. For more rebellion. You know, because why was law increased? Because sin increased. 
Law is not decreasing sin. Please understand that. Yes. Law is increasing sin. Law is increasing sin. Transgression, increase. transgression increase. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is why we have to understand. This is a very uh, common or a complex problem which only affects the church. It doesn't affect others. The old covenant, you have polygamy. Islam, you have called polygamy. In Hinduism, you have polygamy. Nobody is fighting like this. The wives are fighting among each other for the love of their husband. Like Rachel and Leah and Bilha and Zilpha and Hannah and Peninnah and all those, you will see all those things happening over here. That's, that's basically what happens in Islamic households and Hindus who have multiple wives and only one wife. These demands are in there. These demands are in there. But going to the nitty-gritty of the question, there are two words used over there. One is mean, uh, condescending. You know he is wrong. You know his. The question is, how do you know he's wrong? How do you know it's wrong? Simple question. Where did you say? Where did you get this? It is wrong. If a Muslim husband is angry with his wife, Quran doesn't say it is wrong. Hmm. A Hindu husband gets angry with his wife, it doesn't say it is wrong. So where did you know it was wrong? Because it is written. Yes. It is written. In the new covenant, it is written. It's an entirely new covenant. That's what I'm saying. You cannot have uh, regrets unless you have expectations. Where you have no expectations, you cannot have regrets. The expectations are very high in a new covenant couple or individual because of Christ. Because of Christ. Christ and the church. So the model is always, there are only two models put over there. The problem is it's easier for the wife because the wife is told, submit to Christ as um, the church submits to, but the church does not submit. There are seven churches in the book of Revelation, only two churches are submitting there. Five of the churches don't submit. Think about a man with seven wives, two submit, five are rebels. (laughs) Okay. But Christ laid down his life for all seven. If you want to look at as individual churches. So this is where the issue comes. But See, this is, this is what is true. Without the fear of God, nothing is going to work. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 and read verse 7 and 8. 7 and 8. If, uh, sorry, not if Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, 7 and 8. Oh, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to, seven is enough, able to save him from death and was heard because of his God. So you will fear. see two things that controlled Jesus was one, the fear of God, and the other was the love, love for his God. father. Love of his father, yes. Love of his father. These two things. If you ask, why did Jesus become the paradigm? How was he enabled to become the paradigm? Is this... And it is there in Isaiah 2, right? Isaiah chapter 11. Yeah. yeah. Verse 1 to 3. Yes. Yeah. You it's see the same thing, no? There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. 
that is uh, Jesus, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. But when it comes to chapter 3, it leaves all those six and says, his delight is in the fear the of God. Okay. So this, it is not, it's mutually exclusive. If a man has the fear of God, he will look at it as, and in a day-to-day basis, he is laying down his life. He takes accountability. He takes responsibility. Okay. And if a woman has the fear of the Lord, it is mutually explicit. Even if, see, you go to First Peter 3 again. Mm. Because if you do not have, these one, things are not two. possible. 1 and 2, 3, 1 and 2. It's not possible. It yeah. is written to a person, and that's why the, the example is given from the Old Covenant has Sarah, be like Sarah. Okay. Wives, likewise submit to your own husbands that even if some do not obey what? The word. The word. Which word? Mm. Which word? Mm. The word, specifically speaking, the word is telling husbands do this. You have a husband who does not obey the word. So, he doesn't obey the word, so you also don't have to wow. obey the word. No. It's not saying, these are not mutually, these are mutually exclusive. Your husband may not obey the word, but without a word, don't fight. Don't quarrel, don't agitate, zip your lips. This is a counsel which I have to give so many times to so many women on mission grounds because the husbands are unbelievers. What do I do? It's written. I said, just shut your mouth. Don't say anything. Shut your mouth because they may be won by how? Without words, by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear because they realize you have changed. You are a new person. And you are not looking at your husband who may be a rude person. You're looking at Christ and submitting to your husband for Christ. That's why you have to see God. You have to see Christ in the picture. You have to see the eternal into the picture. And a lot of them come and say, how long, pastor? I say, go back and read Second Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 16 to 18. Bah. This is okay. Six, okay. <laughs> we do not lose heart. Okay. Why? Because let's look at a woman. Okay. She's suffering under a man. Let us call an old covenant person like uh, Abigail living with Nabal. And look in, the, in that case of David and all doesn't happen. So she will actually grow old and die taking care of this buffoon. And outward man is perishing. She's losing her charm. She's looking her beauty. She's looking. She grows old before her age. You see lots of them like that. Trying to hold the family together. Drunken husband, nasty man comes, beats up, takes all the money. And you look at them and you look at the wedding picture and you look at them and says, wow, what happened? Mm. What happened? How old are you? Oh. You're only that much. You look 10 years, 15 years older. What happened? And you see. So the outward man is perishing. And you see so many like in the Gentile world. They have no hope. Mm-hmm. Outward man is perishing. There is nothing in the inward. So you know what? That woman, you see there's a difference between man and woman. Because of the way God created. Man was created first. It was God who said it is not good for man to alone. Man did not say, I am alone. He did not even know what it was to be alone. Alone, exactly. Okay. Mm. So man is still capable of being alone. But the woman was made after man. So it was never possible for a woman to be alone Mm. because when she was created, man was already there. 
So the loneliness of man and the loneliness of woman is not the same. It's not the same. That's why men can be lost in their books, can be lost in their cricket and football and all. He doesn't remember home and all because he was created that way. But the woman cannot. She's waiting, 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 waiting. A man gets older. He doesn't worry about his marriage. The women start getting, they start panicking, agitating every busy. You don't see the same because you need to see the order of creation. That's how it happens. And that is the way God created. So the woman Needs are not the same. Needs are not the same. Okay. So in those kind of families, Gentile or Christian, the outward man is perishing. Who's the woman's? And when she doesn't have Christ, the inward man also is perishing. It's a hopeless situation. So what do women do? Indian women or any women in the world, what do they do? Because they were created second and created to love and to be loved. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I will create a helper comparable to so. Woman was created with a need and to meet a need. Not man. Get this clear. Woman was created with a need and to meet a need. So when that need is not met by her man, you know what she does? She clings to her children. That's why our mothers don't release the children. She clings to her children. Now what does she do? All that this thing she transfers to her children. You know how our Indian mothers are from morning till night, her dreams and aspirations and everything is with the children. Okay? Because it is not possible. It is not possible for her to exist otherwise. This career, this thing is all a 21st century phenomenon in the past 50, 70 years. But that is never the Never, never the format. The format. Okay, so you need to realize what does a woman do who has no hope? Outward man is perishing, inward man is perishing. But you are a woman who has hope. You are a woman of God. You understand, okay, this man doesn't care whatever I do. So what does it happen? Verse 17. For our light affliction, she has to see her marriage as the sanctifying factor for her. How long, Lord, how long? How long have you been married? 15 years, 20 years, 25 years? How has it been? Horrible pastor. doesn't matter. It's light and it is for a moment in the way, in the light of the external weight of glory. You have to see. These verses applies to every facet of your life. Whether you are an employee in the office where your boss is a taskmaster like Joseph. You're looking at an eternal weight of glory. The sun and the moon and the stars and all your brothers shall bow, bow mm -hmm. over you. There's something that is promised to you. But before you can reach there, you have to go through affliction. <laughs> affliction. Outward man is perishing. Joseph's too. Because he's in prison. The iron has entered into season fetters. So, but the inner man, because of the way he's reacting, is getting better and better and better even though the outward man is not. Okay. But he's looking at what is what is causing him to fight this good battle because something has been promised. What is causing us? Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Hmm? 
James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man. Here man is gender neutral, okay? The woman. Who endures temptation. Here in the, in the sense of what? The trials and the women for mostly in the marriage. Endures the trials of marriage. When she has been approved, she will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. How does she handle this? Looking at all these things. Again, go to Second Corinthians 4 and now look at the last words, verse 18. Eighteen, four, eighteen. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, your marriage, your struggle, the humiliation, or the torture, or the torment. I will never condone physical violence and that kind of violence. I'll always say uh, that kind of abuse, emotional or physical, I would always say, get out of that. Because you may become a wreck in that. But other than that, these things are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. This is how you fight every battle. Mm. If I quit this, what will it cost me eternally? Eternal. Temporarily, yes, I'm out of this mess. But will it cost me eternally? Eternally. Okay? Joseph is looking at this woman is coming after him and she's the mistress. That's the problem. It's not a maid. Mm. It's somebody who's above you. It's not somebody who's below you. And they have absolute control. So he realizes where this can lead him to, what it can cost him. Because all said and done, he's the head of the household, but he's still a slave. He's still a slave. And if he continues refusing, he has, he's not a fool, he knows where it is. So he has to look at the cost. What will it cost me temporarily? What will cost me eternally? If I give in, temporary is okay. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. He can flaunt around. He says, my master has withheld nothing from his hand except you. He can take that too. Remember, that's what happened to Hagar. As soon as Hagar realized she was pregnant, she despised her mistress. Despised the mistress. Okay. Because now... She says, okay, you are his wife, but I'm the one who's going to birth his heir. And the attitude changed completely. Okay. He could have gone for the temporal, but he would have lost the eternal. Mm. So he suffered in the temporal because he had a promise of the eternal. And we need to realize people don't fight in within the church. When I'm talking with Jay, I'm talking of the global body. Because their eyes are not on the eternal. Eyes are not on the eternal. And they will suffer eternal loss. They may come through, just as through the fire. They'll come through with their salvation. But what you will lose is in the eternal. Okay? So to look at all these things and handle, even if it's a personal issue, a family issue, or an office, or a church, everywhere, you have to read these three verses and ask this question. What is eternal? What is temporary? What is eternal? What is temporary? How long will it last? Even marriage. We had a marriage on Wednesday. What was the vow? Until death do part. So there is a finality to marriage on earth. Even the best of best marriages will end one day. There's nothing eternal about it. What is eternal is Christ. Everything on earth 
whatever is under the sun is tinged by the temporal. It's nothing. But let us say the wife who has suffered but has stuck to scripture, kept her mouth shut by a chaste and reverent fear, he may come through. It's not a guarantee. He may not come through. Okay. In a case where he does not come through, but she has gone through the process and she dies into the eternal. She walks into glory. Walks into glory. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Take charge. Because you brought those virtues that is needed for God to give authority. God to give authority. See, when people chose, wanted a king and God gave a king to them called Saul, he didn't have to go through anything. It was people's choice. But when God chose a man, that man needed to have the virtue for God to pick him up. So God put him through the ringer and the test, whether it was Joseph or whether it was David or whether it was Moses. Three leaders in the Bible. Three leaders, actually four leaders you can pick up from the Old Covenant. The first being Joseph, the second being Moses, the third being Samuel, and the fourth being David. And you will see all four were put through the ringer because of the God's choices. When God picked a man, they had to go through that so that the virtue in them, the virtue that is of God, which is needed for authority and power to be given. So by the time 40 years later, Moses is the meekest man on earth over a set of most rebellious men, but is exercising power and authority of God and will never use it to destroy the people. Never use it to destroy the people. David is God's chosen, anointed man who in his youth kills a giant called Goliath, but will never use that power God has given him to turn against Saul. Never use it against Saul. Never use it against Saul. Why? Because that virtue has been built in him. Joseph has to go through 13 years of unbelievable misery and torment, but he will never use the power and authority God gives into his hands to go against Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar, or his own brothers. Because virtue has been built into him. This is what we take into eternity. And that's God, what's God working, working at. In the cases, you know what? You're looking at the temporal, you can cop out, can walk out of it. There's no, nothing holding you back. Like I said on Wednesday, God has never forced you or me to do one thing. He will never force us to do one thing. We have to voluntarily look into it. What does God say? Look at the temporal and the eternal and be guided by it. There is an eternity coming. It is something called forever and ever. And there, eyes haven't seen or ears heard what is God preparing for those who love him. Okay. So that is your hope. That is why Bible says, if only in this, this life you have hope. What are these in this life? They're believers. They cop out. They quit. I'm quitting on my marriage. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm not. I'm just sit back and relax. Okay. I am there, but don't, don't depend upon me. I'm not there. I'm saved, but you know what happens? Eternity they will lose. And the ones who hang in there and they are always there and they go through this, you are fools. God will say, no, in eternity it will be like Joseph, the brothers would have said, you are a fool. But in the long run, they were fools. They were fools. So whether it is a marriage, you have to look at these pictures. What, what did God say? 
Did God say that in the Old Covenant? The answer is no. He didn't say because you couldn't. The law doesn't enable you to keep anything. It was impossible. So these are commands given to people under grace. If you take the principle, even if a Gentile looks at the principle and says, yeah, I will keep it, it will bless him or her because these are kingdom principles. It will automatically, the power comes in, it will bless them. But specifically spoken, this has spoken to people who are under grace. Under grace. Okay. And the world system is against yes. that. Yeah. It's okay. against that. It is against that. The world system is against the man laying down his life. The world system is against the husband, or the wife submitting to the husband in all things. The system, the whole spirit of this world, the whole system in which you are living is against it. But that itself is the test. Even dead fish flows downstream. To go upstream, you need to fight. You need to fight the current. You need to fight all the, the pressure, the everything. But why would you fight? The question is, what do I get after fighting? And that is where James 1.12 says, after you have Endured. Again, you will see that word comes. Okay, It is a word called endurance. A man or a woman who has endured temptation. What is the temptation always in this context is to quit. I'm giving up. I'm walking out. Add enough. I'm filing. Whatever <laughs> it is. Okay. He, uh, blessed is the man or the woman who endures. So when it comes to Jesus, this is where I tell people, no? This is what you have to say because this is what Jesus said. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is Jesus' voluntary commitment to the church. It's unilateral. But the church has always left him. So many churches shut down and walked away. Okay. Though we have a couple uh, making their covenant with one another, anyone in that couple can walk out of it. Walk out of it. This is a covenant. But how do you forcibly hold two people together? So only unilaterally. No, that's why we asked. We didn't ask them to repeat. We had to ask them individually. Do you? Do you? I. So individually they are making the commitment. and But Jesus unilaterally makes this com com covenant that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now the church voluntarily in the same way, individual wise, each person in the church has to make a covenant with God saying, Lord, help me that I never leave you nor forsake you. Irrespective of whatever pressures come, I will not leave, I will not forsake. That is how it works. Amen. Now, Chuck Missler's wife, she wrote a book. Her name is Nancy Missler. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book called uh, Why Should I Be the First to Change? Mm -hmm. And uh, she, I mean, Chuck Mislow was also a minister, and he yeah, was Chuck saying, Mislow. yeah. So uh, they were having issues in the marriage, and she was asking the Lord, "What is going on?" And then the Lord told her, "You change first. Mm -hmm. So the next day, she said, "Okay, my husband is mean to everybody else, not to me, except me." So the next day onwards, she said, "Okay, I'm going to prepare the best meal for him. I'll be as loving as possible to him." And the next day, he came. The dining table was ready. The the meal was ready. The best meal, everything absolutely in order. 
and he ate the meal he looked at her and I said okay i think we need to talk because <laughs> 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 this is also i mean, I mean it's yeah, also subjective no, subjective yeah. what i'm mm-hmm. saying is in the ministry i mean the thing is that the simple question to women who ask questions like this is my question to them is that do you want him he's he's uh, he's loving and is very encouraging to the group he teaches my question is do you want your husband to treat you as just another member in the church because hmm. it's very easy for me to be encouraging and uh, <laughs> loving to anybody in the church because there are no demands from me from you and you have no demands from on me absolutely even mm. if you ask for an appointment and only say let me look at my schedule i will tell you but you can't say that to your wife mm. okay because these are people to whom i minister but they have not forsaken everyone to be with me mm. and i haven't forsaken everyone to be with them so these demands are in there yeah 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 okay mm. demands are in there we need to understand the same woman who struggles with submission at at uh, home does not struggle to submit at office and one of the reasons is because she knows at 5 pm she can pack her bag and leave she doesn't have to live with that man mm. he cannot make demands beyond certain boundaries what when to the when when it comes to husband and wife there are hardly boundaries mm. they are one they are not two so the demands and so you cannot look at that and say he's so loving and encouraging the question is if you want him to be loving and encouraging to you as a church member then it is very easy for every husband okay and if you only want to to submit your husband as you submit to your pastor whom most women meet 3 hours on a sunday and most of the time they get to speak one word that's all you have to do it becomes very easy for the man too and the woman too but this is not what we are talking your your comparisons are wrong because this is got nothing to do with him being a pastor to the others and you he being a husband to you you are not a, even if you are in the same bible study you are not a congregation member you are his wife okay so this is this this is a husband wife issue not a pastor teacher this is not a pastor, pastor teacher issue yes yes pastor teacher issue if any one of the members female members of them to whom he is loving and encouraging mm. if he had been married to her the situation probably would have been worse mm. each woman is different absolutely okay mm. so it's very easy to be loving and kind to people from whom you demand nothing and who doesn't demand anything from you beyond the limits But this is a different relation altogether so this is where the issue comes where we have to understand mm. we're picking something and applying it in a broad scale and you cannot apply it a broad scale because with your husband you live practically 24/7 7 days a week mm. the other ones are there for a bible study okay bible study and their relationship with their pastor is not your relationship with your, this is wife and husband and that is more shepherd and sheep no so so you cannot compare this and these comparisons itself brings turmoil into the relationship into the relationship 
And this specific to what you call it to new covenant ministry. The old covenant ministry, the priest did not have to counsel anybody. Wow. Hmm. He did not have to give individual time for anybody. He didn't have to do any of those things. He did the sacrifices, these things and all. Eli will look at the Hannah praying and says, are you drunk at this hour? There is no Bible study, no these things taking place over there. It's a completely different ministry. It's a general, this thing where women just sat there quietly. And the men were the ones who were involved in it. In the new covenant, everything changes. The whole paradigm shift is taking place mm. and therefore we have to bring that in and look at it you look at it now i am not though i am a man i am not uh, making excuses for the man but i am saying that wherever like we say in english wherever there is smoke there is fire mm. <laughs> wherever there is smoke there is fire so it takes two hands to clap Case to have. Okay, so you need to ask. My wife does not submit at all, Pastor. Then the question is Did you get married at church? Are wow. you both believers? Do you read your Bible? Do you believe the Bible? Do you submit to the Word of God? Because these are demands made mm. by people. Okay. People. Like if I, if you are in, let us say you are in Singapore or you are in, uh, let us say you are in Singapore and you spit and they catch you and they fine you $150 and you can say this is not in IPC code. He says what? You are in Singapore. This is not Indian penal code here. You are outside this. You are, you are saying I am free because my law, but you are not there. Mm. You are in another country where another law applies. So a lot of people don't understand. Are you under the grace? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Are you under grace? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you under truth? Because these are written to them. These are written to them because that is the order. One, Ephesians 1, then you come to 2, then you come to 3 and 4, then when you come to 5 are the family relationships. And then when all this is put together, he says, take a stand against the evil one. Mm. Take a stand against the evil one. So these are all written to new covenant believers. New covenant believers. But I guess the question is coming from new covenant believers. Some of them may be, I mean, but this is where you have to find out where is the issue. Are you willing to talk? Most people are not willing to talk. talk. Yep. They argue, but they were not willing to talk. And many of them know the, the problems, and they know the solution, but they don't want to change. So power struggle is still going on, like in Genesis chapter 3. There's a, there's a kind of a curse pronounced over the marriage in Genesis chapter 3, which is talking about a power struggle that will take place. So here in Ephesians 5 is where both have laid down their rights. There's no power struggle at all there. Wow. Both husband and wife have laid down their rights and both have picked up their individual yes, responsibilities. Yes, yes, yes. There is no power struggle. There's no power struggle. Wow. Mm. But as long as it is there and for that, God says, there is an order I have, I have put. Though the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are co-equal, all three are God, yet the head of the Son is the Father. Mm. The Son has submitted to the Father's headship. 
So it does not say Jesus so loved the world, which is true. Absolutely true. Because it is written in Revelation that he did. He loved us and he cleansed us with his blood. But that is not what it is said. Even though that statement is 100% true, because of the order of headship, it is said, God sent his son. God sent his son. It is not that the son came on his own. Though he did, he could have. He loved the world as much as the father loved the world. But it, this is where, that is why they are always asking this question, who sent me? Wow. Who sent you? The who sent you is a question of headship. Mm. So when about John, it is said there was a man sent by a God. This is where the headship thing comes, where the wife, I'm not talking about office context, I'm talking about otherwise context, where a wife should be able to say, my husband sent me. Husband sent me. The husband should be able to say, I sent her because God told me. Because he's under the headship of Christ. That's that's how it that's how it falls. Otherwise God cannot tell Sarah, Abraham, listen to Sarah. Mm. How can Abraham say, Lord, why are you changing the whole order of patriarchy over here? No, listen to Sarah because what she is saying is what is my will in this situation. Will in this situation. That is what God is talking about. This it's, is where it comes. It's, yes. it's like uh, it's like even though the son loved the world, mm. he never initiated the action until until it until came. Fa- it As comes against the Galatians, in the fullness of, of time, Abraham God sent the son born under the. But if you look at the book of Revelation, chapter one, Revelation chapter one, mm. and verse uh, five, five. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed Washed us us. from our sins in his own blood. So it's talking about Jesus who loved us. But if you look at verse 4, it is starting with the Father. Okay, the order in which... Okay. Okay. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits or before his throne. Mm. So it is coming from the the Father, Father. the Spirit, and then in verse 5 it is talking about the Son. And from Jesus. Though they are one, it's the Holy Council of Trinity, the Mm. Godhead, yet Mm. the headship. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. 11 and verse Mm. 3. I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. Mm. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. And the question is, is this general? No, this is new covenant specific. Absolutely. This, church, this is not a general, general this thing to the whole world. The head of every man is not Christ. It's not Christ. The head of every born again man in the church is Christ. Christ. Only he will understand it. But he has to submit to that headship. The head of every woman is not man. Not man. The head of every born again woman is man. Even if it is there is a law, you automatically it doesn't apply. There mm. is a person who has to submit to that. So the head of every born again woman is man. When it comes to Christ, the head of Christ is God. That is how it comes. God, Christ, man, woman. This is it is not saying they are not equal. Mm. It is not saying they are not inferior. 
it is that God has assigned him. Is Jesus inferior yes, to the Father? father? No. The Bible very clearly says he was equal to the Father, but he did not hold on to that equality. Because this is how the devil will push, saying that you are equal and say, yeah, I am equal. That's why I am submitting. You are inferior. No, I am not inferior. I am not superior either. I can easily submit without any issues because it doesn't change who I am. Who I am. Because the devil is trying to make us same. God is trying to make us one. It is not the same. It's interesting that John Thalini says that um, uh, Jesus uh, knowing from where he came and knowing where he was going and having loved his own till the very end, he took water and he took the towel. If you look at 388, Galatians 3, no, 38, 338 if I'm right. Galatians 338. Just look at it. Yeah, yeah. 338. Because this is where the eternal perspective comes. Oh, three, three, oh, one second, one second. I'll, I'll tell hmm? you. Didn't get it? Okay, then it's two, not there. 238? 28 or 38? No, you're talking about uh, born another woman. Yeah, right? 28, 28. 328. Sorry, not 38, 28. 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you know what it's talking about? It's talking about eternal inheritance. Mm-hmm. When it comes to eternity, it doesn't matter whether you are born as a Jew or a Gentile. Whether on earth you are free or you are a slave, whether you are a male or a female, it does not matter when it comes to your inheritance. It matters how you walked under grace and truth. That's all it matters. That is how you have to look all the Are you a slave? It's temporary. Are you under great affliction, under a terrible master? It's momentary. It doesn't matter. Hang in there. Because if you do not have this hope, then how do you fight? How do you handle people in the world just commit suicide, rebel and fight and all because they have no hope. Their hope is now. Their hope is now. Their hope is not then. But we are a people of hope, the hope of glory. Okay. Therefore, when it comes to the hope of glory, we have to look at men will say, you know, how can anyone love this woman? God says, do it. How long? Till you die. Till I die and he says, on the other side, it is not the same. Every inheritance is connected over there. On the other hand, those who are not able to do that, you know what the Bible calls them? The Bible calls them childish. They are not spiritually mature. Go to chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. <laughs> Galatians 4, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I say that the heir, who is the heir? All of us are heir, mm-hmm. co-heirs with Christ Jesus. When? Mm-hmm. Only if we suffer with him, mm-hmm. we will reign with him. This is the suffering of a woman in a marriage or a man in a marriage or a worker in the workplace. There is suffering involved. I say the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. So he is a child. He's a child. Though positionally he is supposed to inherit, he will not inherit. To inherit, you have to become a man, mm. an adult. You have to, in biblical words, he has to become mature. But when you are as a child, you fight against everything. You fight against everything. You rebel. You don't. No? This is the difference. Okay, so, this question, that's how we have to see. Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to fight it? Answer, you don't have to. Mm. If you have no eternal desires, you don't have to. It's always a cop-out. It will have its own consequences in the temporal, but eternal consequences will be devastating.
But if you hang in there and look at Christ and understand this is what I am going through and this is what I will receive in eternity, that gives you the reason. No, that's what Paul says in Corinthians 9. He says, no, people in this world are temperate and sacrificed for a temporal crown. But we are fighting, running our race for an eternal crown. That is what gives you. Otherwise, most people will quit and go. Mm. Most And most, most, let me tell you, even the most marriages are not in this race, even the good ones. The good ones have a semblance of peace because of compromise. You don't touch me, I won't touch you. <laughs> they have boundaries. They, they cannot be boundaries in a marriage. The minute you met a man, set boundaries in a marriage, you may be happy, but your marriage has failed in the eternal perspective. Wow. So the two shall be one. You are two, and you have set your boundaries, and your marriage is at peace, but it is a peace for which is bought at compromise. It's not a marriage, you are fighting to be one. Not fighting to be one. So a lot of marriages you will see in Christendom and all, you will see, they're, they're okay. They don't fight. They are fine. But if you actually were to look at them and you will realize they're not one. They're two. They're not one. They're two. And their peace, the price for their peace is not efficient chapter 5. The price for their peace is compromise. Oh, That's why you need to realize marriage is the most powerful paradigm put over there as a lesson of symbol of Christ and the church. And therefore it will be the most attacked ones. The most attacked. When two people try to become one, you will see the attack that will come upon it. Because the devil will fight it tooth and nail because he knows the power that can be released when these two people are actually in true agreement. Mm. That is a true agreement in spirit and in soul. Mm. True agreement in spirit and soul. So he will fight it tooth and nail and we have to be able to see that and say, you know know what, I want to fight this. Okay, And the woman begins by saying, you know what, I will submit to all things. That he is my head. And any major decision, I will run it through. I need his yes without his yes. I'm not going forward because simply because I know this is the right decision. This is what needs to be done. And I have the resources to independently do it. But I will not do it because he is the head. He is the head. Because that's the way it works in office. Absolutely. Every system, that's the way it works. Because that's what headship means. Okay. And the man... In the same way, he looks into his part of the commands in the in the in the new covenant, and he says, "You know what? That is what I will follow. I will follow. Otherwise, it will be chaos. Okay, it will aggravate more and more and more and more and more. So, whenever people say he is, she is, it is got to do with expectations." and ruined expectations. So the simple question to go back and ask, where did your expectation come from? That's why you don't hear these kind of questions in other communities, though they have the same problems. If you ask, my husband doesn't love me, if a Hindu lady says, the husband doesn't love me, and if you are, but he loves all the other women, then you ask her, but why should your husband love you? 
Elsie Paradigm. Elsie Paradigm. <laughs> Didn't your God love many other women? <laughs> you have a God, the most popular one. Didn't you love all the other women? And where did all the other women or most of the other women, wives of other men? So what's your problem? Your God can do it, can't he? Wow. Elsie Paradigm. <laughs> yeah, we are not talking about this written script because there are other pictures which should align with the script, right? So Christ is our paradigm. Forsaking all others, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave. He forsook everyone in heaven and he came down for her. He forsook heaven. He left everybody. And he came, lay down his life for our paradigm is there. Paradigm. And you look at that, and the woman also, the woman, the church, individual, corporate also, has to forsake everything of this world and be cleaved to him. No other affections. No other affections. This is the paradigm put on. That paradigm is not there in any religion. Absolutely. No religion has a paradigm. What do the Buddhists say? What's a paradigm? Marriage is a paradigm. Didn't Buddha leave his wife and yes, his children yes, and walk out? Siddhartha left. Left. He left his family. Nuts. He walked out. He walked to Siddhartha, who later became Gautam Buddha, left his wife and his children. What's the paradigm? If you want to look at Islam, you want to look at Quran, Quran and you want to look at the founder, Muhammad. Didn't he pick? How many women did he pick as his wife? What's his paradigm? What's your paradigm? You have a paradigm, Christ. One spouse. That's it. The church. And therefore and he, he goes all the way. All and he goes all the way back and he says, yeah, "It was yeah. not so in, so the, in beginning. the beginning. It was not yeah, in so God's these, And it is male and female, not mm-hmm. male and male, not female and female. So we are the only ones who will have these paradigms. That's where it comes. So you have to ask yourself, where are your expectations? My expectations are this. What are my responsibilities? First, contract looks for rights." Covenant mm-hmm. looks for so responsibilities. Yeah, what are my responsibilities? That's the difference between a contract. A contract is, you know, if two people sign a contract and you look at, okay. Uh, as long as you. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, you didn't fulfill the obligation. Mm-hmm. So we are, we will mutually agree and cancel this contract. That's a good mm-hmm. Okay, give me the damages. Yes. But marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant. In the covenant, you are not looking at the Rights, you're looking at the responsibilities. God made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham's race messed it up. God went and paid the price. He didn't talk about his rights. He took, took his responsibilities on the cross because that was a covenant. So this is a paradigm. If you don't have a paradigm, then we are just fighting for our rights. Even in this question, it looks like almost a person is fighting for my right. Okay, it is my right that he should be loving and encouraging to me. Which is true, it's your right. It is true. Should be loving and encouraging. Okay. But in the kingdom we don't fight for rights. We fight to be responsible. Right. Look I I've taught this in church. There are two words. One is the word react, the other is the word response. Mm -hmm. We don't react. When you react, you are reacting to the other person's stimulus. No, we don't react. We respond. Respond is from that word comes the word responsibility. Responsible. Responsibility. We don't react. A lot of people react. This one says that you react. We don't react. 
We don't react. We respond. We respond. Okay. So they are cursing Jesus. He's not reacting. He's not reacting. He's responding. Mm. Bless them who curse you. It's not a reaction. That's a response. Yeah. It's a biblical response. So he re- he didn't react. He responded. Mm. He responded. Okay. So the question is: Yes, he's mean. He is condescending. What is your response? Go back to scripture. What? How does God want me to respond? That's what we saw in First Peter chapter three. Without a word. Mm. Without a word. When he sees his cons- your conscience not one day without a word, maybe won by the conduct of their wives. What is that conduct? Verse two, chaste and observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear. Fear of what? Fear of God. Fear of God. <coughs> so she's very careful about how she re- reacts to her husband, responds to her husband, because she knows you know what God said. He's my head. Let us say you're working in a government office and your boss is there. He gets angry. How do you respond? Yes, sir. sir. Sorry, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Why are you responding like that? Because you know he's the head. and He's got power. He's got authority given by the man, government, man's government. So even though he's wrong, <laughs> you know he's wrong. You know he's wrong. And he's mad at you. But you don't, you don't react. You respond why don't you react? Because you know he's the head. He's the head. And even if you were to show that you were wrong, the way you do it is very respectfully. But sir, you told me yesterday to do it. And he would say, oh, did I tell you? Okay, it's okay. But why did you respond like that? Because you're never forgetting the fact who he is. Mm-hmm. Who he is. Where does it come from? Because of reverence. Because the system says, the government says, he's your head. Now, this is not the government. This is God who is saying he is your head. And he does not <laughs> obey the word. What is the word in this context? He doesn't care. He doesn't encourage you. He is not loving. He is not kind. He does not obey your word. So you don't react. Mm. You don't react. This is where the power of God comes. You don't react. You respond. You respond. Paul and Silas are two missionaries. They delivered a person from a demonic spirit, stripped, flogged, thrown into the prison. They should be reacting. They don't react, they respond. What is the response? It is written, when they persecute you for righteousness sake or for the sake of the gospel, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. That's not a reaction, it's a response. And when they respond that way, the Bible says the power of God comes down. So women who are caught in these situations, everywhere I tell them, I say, you want to hear what God says? I said, read this two words. You read it for me first. There it is. You respond this way. You know what happened? God's power will come to you on a day-to-day basis. You are in your prison. Your chains may not go off. Hmm. Because you are married to this man. It may not go off. But you have to take that context and apply. You're caught in the midnight hour. It's all dark. And whenever you talk to all the other women, you know all are captives. All are chained to their own husbands. But you have the light. They do not have Amen. light. Therefore, you stand and respond according to the gospel. You know what? Your testimony will go. Their chains also will start coming up. That's how you read. But if you react, you will be chained. They will be chained. God cannot move because God won't violate his own word. He's already told us how to do it. 
So we have two choices. Respond, responsible, responsibility. Or react. <coughs> Reaction is what happens in the chemistry lab. Fire. <laughs> so this is the demand. But God is not demand. Why didn't God demand any of these things in the old covenant? Because there was no grace. There was no Holy Spirit in man. Born. All things have been made new. You can react in a completely mm. new way because you are a new creation. Amen. The power of my spirit is there. You can, you can, you can. Okay. And this is where I'm telling you straight up. This is where modern women, because they are so much influenced by, by uh, feminism and humanity, which is all about human rights, will demand that their husbands apologize to them. I'm not saying a husband should not apologize because it says to allow one another forgiving this thing. But the same woman will not demand her boss apologize to her in the office. The boss may never apologize to her in the office even if he's wrong. This is where you need to... But you do something wrong. You immediately apologize to your boss. You go and say, sir, I'm sorry, sorry, I goofed up, sir, sir, okay. He may shout at you and say, go, but you do. But he may never apologize. But when you come back home, you expect your rights. Where did that come from? Mm. Where did that come from? It came from humanism. It came from feminism. Start picking up your rights. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying men should not acknowledge when they are wrong. And What I'm saying is that you need to understand what is your paradigm. Mm. What is your paradigm? Change the way we think. We what is your paradigm? The mm. hmm? Abraham goofed up. Does it say anywhere Abraham went to Sarah and said, I'm sorry? <laughs> Is it written anywhere God told Abraham, go and tell Sarah you're sorry? I'm not saying he didn't say it. I don't know. But the question is, you need to understand that is how authority works. He may say sorry in different ways. But the fact is the minute you demand, you picked up your rights. You put down the cross. You stop denying yourself. And you stop being a disciple. So you're no longer a disciple. You're one of the followers who will walk away one day. To be a disciple, these are the conditions. The same thing, of course, goes to man too. But what I am saying, you if you have to look at it, okay, it's a chain of responsibility, it's a chain of command. <laughs> That's how it works. But, like I said, the struggle is because of the demand. The demand of God is the two shall be one. You take that out, the first law of marriage, second law of marriage given over there in Genesis chapter 2. For man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one. You take that one word everywhere from the Bible, the pressure on marriage is over. Because wives cannot make any demands because the demands are based on that expectation. Because it is written to man, not to woman. The woman has left anyway. When every culture, when the woman gets married, she leaves. That's the whole idea. She leaves. But when it is said to man, from that one word is her expectations. You're supposed to leave. 
you are supposed to leave. Even when she says, it's six o'clock, why are you not home? Why should I be home at six o'clock? Because it is written, man shall leave. Which includes your office. That is the expectation come from. You need to realize what, how that one verse has changed the way we look at marriage. <laughs> Take that verse off, then she has no expectations. She has no expectations. Marriage, it will be completely a different thing altogether. We would not have known marriage as it is now. Because there are no expectations. The expectations, even in Gentile cultures, before these cultures began, Genesis 2 was there. It was written. Once it is written, it becomes part of your nature. <laughs> it is written. Adam and Eve got it into their psyches and passed it on to their seed. It is there in every man's DNA. And every woman's DNA. So in every culture, the woman is waiting there, even though it is not written in any surah or any gita or anything, the woman is still waiting for her husband to come back. Why are you waiting? Collective consciousness. Sorry. Collective consciousness, <laughs> unconsciousness. Why are you waiting? Because I don't know why I'm waiting for him. Because I will tell you, honey, it is written it in is my written. book. Do you know why you are waiting? It's written in any of See, these are all ways to evangelize. It's written in any of your book. No, I said it's written here. See, it is written. For this reason, a man will love. That's your way. That's why you're waiting for your man. That's why you're waiting for your man. If it wasn't there, you wouldn't wait for your man. You don't have to wait for a man. Your man to come home. Okay, this is where it comes. That is why it's your use. That is why you have to read the whole scripture. Mm. What did God say? What did God say? What did God say? Is my, my expectation realistic? Is it from the word of God by the spirit of God or is it from outside? Sometimes some of the expectations and the things which men talk or women talk, you realize it's not biblical. Mm. It's not there. It's your own. You probably got it from some book or movie or something. It's not in the Bible. It's not in Because Bible is a very balanced book. Very, very balanced book. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Plus, there's one question on interpersonal relationships again. Okay. I think and you can end with that. This is question number six. Because again, this is um, in the context of general uh, relationships and also in the context of marriage. Uh, it says false assumption. Sometimes deception is so obvious you can see right through it. Then you tend to look at a person, a pastor, a wife, a husband and ask how could anyone, anything false come out of this person? A good deception is where the lie is buried in a good body of truth. Yeah, that's what a good salesman is. But you need to realize, this is where people need to yeah, be careful about it, is that, you know, we are not making excuses, but we need to realize there was only one perfect man ever who walked on earth. And it is Christ. It is Christ. That is why if you go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, 111 is talking about... Therefore, we also... Like, can we put it together? One uh, and two? They, they don't come together. Okay, this is, this 12. Is Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, mm -hmm. looking unto... But oh, though we have this cloud of witnesses, 
and if you look at the record in 11 from Abel onwards, ultimately for perfection, we are looking only at Jesus. We will learn from each of these different people different things. None of them are perfect. From Enoch, we will learn how you can be married and yet walk Not alone with God. God when yeah. your spouse is not interested. You can still walk with God. That's one lesson you learn. Why is it so important? Because Enoch was taken alone. Mm -hmm. Taken alone. He's a picture of two were in the bed and one was taken. So the husband <laughs> is trying to grab and push and pull his wife to every Bible study, every meeting because they want. I know men and women who do stuff like that. One person is not interested at all and they drag them. We have to do everything together. But the problem is the other person is not interested. Whether it is a man or it's not interested. You are dragging, you are dragging, you are dragging. And all your conflicts are because you are dragging the other person who is not interested. Often in spiritual things. Okay. So what do you learn? You can learn, okay, I will pray, but I will choose to walk with God alone. I want to put pressure. I won't put pressure because you cannot pull. Children, you are not teaching them. You are teaching them obedience. You are going to church. That's it. I don't like, I don't care whether you like or not. <laughs> the question is you have to learn obedience. Liking it is always later. So, with you. But we are not talking about children. We are talking about husband and wife over here. So, but who do you? So, if you look next to you, look to Noah. You can't learn everything from Noah. We can learn patience from Noah, how to fear with fear, build an ark or build a um, salvation bubble in which your family is. There's a lot of things you can learn from him, but you can learn from him. Never plant a vineyard, don't drink, don't get drunk. So many things you can should not learn from him. So each one of them, Abraham is a paradigm, but so many times. Abraham looks like a, honestly, to use that word, he, towards some parts of his life, he looks like a total scumbag. I mean, tell your wife is your uh, sister and then listen to your wife and sleep with your maids. Over. I mean, it looks like, I mean, what kind of a man it is. But remember, this is a man who God calls the father of faith. So these imperfect people towards the end will become paradigms. But who do we look at? Jesus. We look at Jesus. We look at it, Jesus. So looking at all these people, if you go, go back to that question. Okay? False assumption sometimes, deception is so obvious, you can see right through it. Then you tend to look at a person, a pastor, a wife, a husband, ask, how could anything false come out of this person? A good deception is where the lie is. So there is two things. The lie and truth all, but you have to be very careful. Mm. A lot of people did this when the Revisac uh, episode, episode took place. They cancelled all Revisac's programs, old, he's dead and gone. Uh, took it out of the YouTube, they, his books were pulled out. But let me ask you that. He was an imperfect man, he had a terrible fall, but almost everything he spoke was true. But because he fell, you cancelled everything that he spoke, which actually hasn't, doesn't got much, nothing to do with him. It's got to do with Christ. You cancelled him out. But the fact is that so many things or most of the things he said is absolutely true. Okay. So there was a, in his case, literally, there was this man 
And his life, his words, if you look, we don't know him personally. We never are going to, may never met him or from far away we saw him. But I'm saying is, if you look at his words, it was a body of truth. But in that, there was a lie. So what are you going to do? Reject the body of truth? You can't do If you were to reject the body of truth, then you wouldn't have any... any but the first five books of the Bible was, was written gone. by Moses, who was a murderer. Was a murderer. Was the one who wrote it. And he's, that's why even after his death, the Bible says in the book of Jude, Satan is contending for his body. Mm. Contending. On what grounds are his contending? Because of what he has done. But everything he has spoken is a body of truth. Body of truth. This is where we have, this is where... See, this is where we have to be very, very careful because the man <laughs> and the you. message, the message is what is powerful. If the message aligns to what God has spoken, it takes its power of its own. If you have, if you have doubts about it, turn with me to the gospel according to Matthew. And then oh, 1 Corinthians 9. Matthew. Words 21, 7.21 and 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Then I declare to you, uh, words 22, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? All that is written in 22 is the body of truth. But a person, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You, you who practice lawlessness. The person was a lie. Person ministry was true. So because a person, it's, just, it's not just a lie. It's a whole person. is a lie. Do you reject the ministry? Then take out all the prophecies of Balaam out of the Bible. But the man was a lie. Absolutely. This is where we have to be very, very careful. Now take Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and the last verse. 27. I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Because he is disqualified, that God's, let us say he is disqualified. All the epistles are taken out? No. It's all true. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. But he in his personal life, let us say he failed. Therefore, he is saved, but he loses his crown. He is disqualified. But all the message that has come through is absolutely true. Bah. Absolutely true. So, when you are looking at people like that, like especially people we look up to who preach like Ravi Zak or anybody else, okay, this thing, this other guy, the big guy who is in the ministry still was in the big scandal. No? Jimmy Swaggart. Ah, um, Swakart, if he's still there, he sings and he preaches and all God restored him, but a lot of people won't listen to him at all. The simple question is, his preaching, even when it was a lie, nobody knew about it, even like we was with the prostitutes and all those these things came out of him, right? I never went yeah. through this thing. But his preaching was still right. Whatever the other side of Revisac, which we actually do not know, when this was going on, his preaching was still right. Still, we have to be careful. 
These are two different things. Because I am not saying that the conduct of the person is not important. Okay? That is important. That is, But you need to realize this. The text has power of its own. Even in a classroom. When a teacher is teaching, when Pastor Vijay is teaching math, nobody is checking on his personal life. His personal life is never under the scanner. Under the scanner. But when you are behind the pulpit, yes, your personal life matters. But even if your personal life, because you look at all the people in the Bible, okay, everyone, down to Apostle Paul, conflict with Barnabas. I mean, imagine two apostles fighting. It's a point. They're separated like that and go. It doesn't look good. It's a terrible testimony. doesn't matter how godly, holy they are. That is a terrible testimony that you fought in such a way because they are not ordinary people. They are extraordinary people. They are apostles. Okay? But God didn't take their words out. They didn't take their words out. Okay? Because you need to look at what they speak the simple question is this. Does it align with this or not? Is the simple question. Does it align with this? Because we are not listening to a man. We are listening to the word preached by man. Okay? Paul had a terrible testimony before he became Apostle Paul. Terrible background for the Christians. So they were very wary of him. Yet when he went preached... In many of the synagogues, like in Berea, they checked with scripture. They did not disregard him because of his past testimony. They listened to him. And they were amazed. Wasn't this a persecutor of Christians? Okay. So we need to be very, very careful about it because the problem is, the danger is this. When you are judging the vessel, you will die of thirst because that vessel may be the only one who has water. You are in a desert and there is a vessel of water there, but you don't like the vessel. But you are dying. You are dying. The question is, will you drink from that? Okay, so before you judge the person, judge the doctor. Okay, because the other side is also true. The other side is also true. There is this very nice, kind, wonderful, charming man. But his teaching is false. And they receive the teaching. Because they only look at the vessel. They only look at the vessel. So many of the false teachers are so charming. But they are not looking at what is coming out of the vessel. Because they are looking at the vessel and say, so how can something bad come from somebody who is so nice? The fact is that it is false. On the other side, if a man has got, let us say, something which is known about him, but what comes out of him is a body of truth. But you reject it because you don't like the vessel. So you can be caught in both this and we have to be very, very careful. Very. So what we need to judge is not the person. What we need to judge first, that's why God says don't judge. What you need to judge is what he or she is saying. No personal remarks. Mm. Saying we judge the doctrine. Doctrine is we important. We judge the yes. doctrine is important. We Absolutely. judge the doctrine. We judge the doctrine and says, okay, I don't like that person. I don't like it because some of the old time preachers were very rough preachers, but the doctrine was absolutely fantastic. They were not like the smooth talkers like today. 
They're not ticklers of ears and all, but they were rough preachers. Well, what they call fire and brimstone preachers. But you look as like the Jonathan Edwards and all those people, when you look at what they preached, what they preached was true. Yet today you have so many smooth talkers and they will talk you all the way to hell. Because if you look at doctrine and look at the word of God and listen to what this man is saying, you sometimes wonder, has he ever read his Bible? Yet his church seems to be full. So you are caught in these two and you have to be very, very careful about it. That's why we always say, don't judge where God hasn't given you authority. Hmm. Judge and authority goes together. So, what do I have authority to judge? Answer, doctrine. You have the authority to judge doctrine. Authority to judge Doctrine is like food that is served before you. It's not the cook. It's a food. Even if your mother has cooked and put food before you, if you take one handful and there is a cockroach in it, you will push it away. No, it's mama. I don't mind it with cockroach because mama made it. You're not judging mama. You're judging what has been cooked. And says, I can't eat it. I'm sorry, mama. I, can't. I love you very much. And mama can't say, oh, how can you do to me? I woke up early in the morning. I sacrificed so much and I made this for you. But mama, I am not questioning your sacrifice and your love, and your commitment. I'm saying, Mama, there is a cockroach in it. Mm. Okay? So that's how you, how you look at the doctrine that has been said. Because doctrine is life. The wrong doctrine can kill you, can destroy you. Okay? So that is where, if God has not given you authority, He has given authority to judge you also. That's which every one of us should do. He judges, we judge ourselves so that we are not condemned with the world. We are not talking about that. We are talking about what are we, all the big names out there, from the Pope onwards. We are talking about Catholicism or Christianity, big name. What are we called to judge? Doctrine. Doctrine. I don't care the Pope lives in a 3,000 room palace or he has his personal Swiss guard or millions of money and that's none of my business. Hmm. Wow, how does it matter to me? But when he says something which affects Christianity, it matters. What he's saying does not agree with the word of God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hmm. You know, like Prime Minister Modi is the Prime Minister of India and he makes a statement about Manipur. You have the right to question it because you're a citizen. And he says his answer was not right. Why was he silent for 79 days? And when you broke his silence, why did you bring other states in? This is a question about Manipur. How come you are bleeding only after 79 days? This is a something that happened two months ago. So you all were aware of it. But when they came out, suddenly you are reacting. You cannot sit there at the top place in power and say you did not know about it because it's your business to know about it because it's your government. So as citizens, we have the right to question, question that. Okay, because it has got to do with, let us say, the doctrine of governance. Mm. Doctrine of governance. My government, whom I elected, is duty-bound to give me safety and security in this country. You are duty-bound. I am not breaking the law. I am a law-abiding citizen. So by the very fact, you are duty-bound to give me security. And if you cannot do it, please quit and let somebody else take the place. Who can give me that? 
it has got to do with the doctrine. What is the doctrine? The doctrine of democracy and the doctrine of rights and the doctrine of governance. That is how you question. So it's all got to do with that. But when you are looking at this question over there, there is a body of truth. Truths. Body of truth. How can something false come from that? The question is, except for Christ, there is no body of truth who has ever walked where deceit was not found in his mouth. It's nobody, not even Paul, not even Daniel. Mm. We don't know about Daniel. We only know what we know about Daniel. is all we want about Daniel. And we don't know about, uh, of course, about Daniel, even if he's one of the most righteous men in the Old Covenant, I have two questions to him. Sec one, when that statue was made and everybody where bowed, was where were you? Mm. Two, you did all these things. How come you never oh, went to Jerusalem? questions. Why didn't you go to Jerusalem? Because your life is connected with Jerusalem. We are not Jews, but you are Jews. Why didn't you ever got two questions? I don't know what his answer is, but I have two rhetorical questions to ask. Why didn't you? Where were you? I say, you are not there. I appreciate all of this thing, but I know there are issues. There are issues with everybody's life. Okay, Joseph, you waited 21 years to see your father and all that, I agree. But why did you marry the Pharaoh's daughter, priest's daughter? Why didn't you say no? You had a history. In your family, there is a history. Your grandfather, your great-grandfather is a history. You know that history has been passed down and you could have told my Pharaoh, you know, I am a Hebrew. You know, I eat separately. You know, I am a Hebrew. Can we wait that I find a Hebrew wife? He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these pictures are there. These pictures are there. Any one of them you take, the best of the best men in the old covenant, you will see. You know, so God is not expecting that from us. He says, walk before me and be blameless. blameless. Okay. So there's a lie and there's a body of truth. So this is the old man, and the old man and the new man are struggling inside the same body. If you look at that question once again, you once again. realize all human beings, I'm talking about believers, okay? A good deception is where the lie is buried in a good body of truth, which is true, okay? But our job is to detect the lie. Detect the lie. It's our job to detect the lie and reject the lie and take the whole truth. truth. That's why I say that one of the things I have done is that I always listen to, rather read every preacher from every denomination. Even those who call Pentecostal demonic, I don't mind reading them. That place is a lie, but the rest of it is a body of truth. Mm, I'm not going to reject that. I'm not going to reject the body of truth because something about that is a lie. Even if it is John MacArthur, I would listen to his messages, I read his messages, though he says speaking in tongues is all demons and demonic, I don't care. I won't reject the rest of it because of one thing. His book is the first book, one of the first, his first book I read was Charismatic Chaos, because I wanted to see how does the outsider look at the chaos in the charismatic, and I found that, yeah, he sees our faults better than others, and a lot of truth in what he says, but I'm not going to reject and accept everything else, so we have to look at it. But personally speaking, we are all caught in one body and two men living. Mm. One man is the body of truth, the new man. Mm. The other man is the body of lie. Mm. It's a lie. Everyone is existential, (laughs) living in that. This is a body. Only one body. In that body are two men. The old man and the new man. Mm. 
And the prophecy is that the older shall serve the younger. The question is, most of the time it seems the younger is serving the older. <laughs> that is Jacob. <laughs> what is your name? Esau. Well, take the blessing. <laughs> the older, younger is serving the older. And God says, if you have to bless you, okay, so this is our reality. Pictures is a reality. There's an old man and a new man. It's like that old, the, the, the American Indian said, whichever dog I feed, that wheat wins. That's how it is. But we have to be very, very careful because you become very, very legalistic like this. The problem is you will start rejecting truth because of a lie. Now let me ask you that same question about the mother and the rice and the cockroach. Okay. Mom made that rice and put it there and there is a cockroach. And let us say the name of the mother is the widow at Zarefat. And the child is that child. This is your last meal. What will you do? You will take your cockroach out and you will eat, the, eat the rest. So the simple question is, how hungry are you for the truth? Mm. That is the question. How hungry are you for the truth? How much do you crave for liberty, freedom? That is the question. Then you will know what? You will take it out. Because this is the same issue US is going through. Why did you reject Trump? Oh, we didn't like his tweets. Well, should have forgotten the tweets and looked at the larger picture. This is a man who could have rescued the U.S. Do you like Biden? Are you comfortable? He's messed up his whole country in two and a half years down the drain. But why did you, why are you so upset with Trump? Because, oh, his tweets are mean, the way he treats. But you didn't look at his policies. You rejected the whole body of truth because you didn't like a few lies. So you are suffering. Because in every situation, this is what we have to face. Because every man you face is a body of truth with lies or a body of lies with truth. The question is just take the truth and leave the others. There's nothing you can do about That's the maturity it. that you need. You, there's mm. no way you can live in life. You tell me one thing. You get out on the road, there is water and there is dry ground. What are you going to do? Walk through the water, walk on the dry ground. Mm. You, have to, you have to negotiate. You go to your restaurant, you will see. What are you going to go to the kitchen and inspect their hygienic content and then only come and order? You can't do that. You can't do that. So there is always a question of, you know, like, you know, you take a paper with a dark spot, you show it, everybody is looking at the dark spot. But what did they miss? The entire white space. 99.99% of the paper was covered white. But you only focused on the dark. In the process, you missed all this. Okay, so this is what God is talking about. We have to be very careful because the prophecy is there. There will be a famine in the land of what? Of the hearing of, of the, the word of God. God. That doesn't mean the word of God isn't there. They are not able to hear because everybody is busy judging. That is a lie. I don't want to hear anything from him. That is a lie. I don't want to hear anything from her. You're so busy judging. You're missing the truth. Mm. Missing the truth. The question is, Lord, help me to detect between lie and truth. Help me to receive the truth. Because I am hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry, Lord, so feed me. I'm hungry, so feed me. 
Yep, Pastor Vijay, we'll stop there. We'll call it a day. Yes, Pastor. We shall call it a day or a night. Mm-hmm. Okay, Father, we just come, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. I pray, Father, people will see the difference of being perfect, which only you are, and of being blameless, blameless. Lord, of being yes. mature. Different words it is written in Greek in the New Testament, Lord. If we are like we will go down the rabbit hole, Lord. Mm. <laughs> we try to be legalistic like the Pharisees. I pray, Father, we will learn. Yes, we are seeking the truth. Only the truth shall be set free. But all the vessels under heaven except your son were fragile vessels. But through whom truth was spoken, Moses and Joshua, David and Solomon, Looking at the end of Solomon, we cannot reject the book of Proverbs because it's gems, it's pure, it's gold from heaven. The vessel was compromised. So I pray, Father, we'll be able to have the discernment so that we'll reject the lie and receive the truth and leave the vessel to God because it's not ours to judge vessels but only to judge doctrine. Otherwise, in the first century, nobody would have received Paul's ministry or the epistles he wrote because of his background. Help us not to make that same mistake, Lord. And husbands and wives who have asked, I pray, they will look into the Word of God and do what it says and ask for the grace to do it because these expectations are connected with Christ and Christ alone. Those who are not submitted to God and to Christ, have no right to these expectations. These are exclusively to those who have received the headship of Christ. Then only Christ can work these things in us, O Lord. So, Father, we pray, help us to surrender to your spirit and to your word each day. Even tomorrow, when people come to church, they will submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Come on time. Come prepared to worship, to receive, to obey, and then they will hear. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We come in the rest of the night into their hands, wherever your children, your people are. Protect them, Lord. First and above all, we need protection. And then provide for them. Meet them at their point of need, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.